This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. <laughs> That's exactly what Everywhere I was going to say. Everywhere you go. I yeah, know. Yeah, you know what? Charlie, uh, we were sitting here just before uh, going to air, and mm-hmm. you said, do you know what? I think we're going to have a white Christmas. Yep, yep. Yeah. Weather's with us. Absolutely. And you took a look at the charts for the um, next couple of weeks. Yep, the charts. That's called like, the forecast, actually. Yeah, well, the forecast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got an Excel spreadsheet that uh, Santa yeah. Claus put together and sent to me, and yep, yeah, it's all looking good. right there. My gosh. No above That's good. zero. I love a white Christmas. Me I do. too. I do. Now I can actually get in the mood. I've got to get a tree this weekend yeah. and, you know, move on into the into the season. Exactly. Okay. Uh, well, by the way, this yeah. is Frank Proctor for oh, hello. anybody who is yeah. listening for the first time. <laughs> and that's Charlie Dobbin. Exactly. On my right yeah. is Frank Proctor, and on my left is nobody. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Just the two of us in this studio. But across the uh, way there's Sebastian with Sebastian. his smiling face. Yes, yes. And he's handling all the phone calls that you'll call in. Of and course. And you'll give everybody the number, so me. even more people will call in. That's a good idea, Charlie. Yeah. You know, once in a while, just... <laughs> you come up with a good idea. Okay. Thank in you. Toronto, once in a while. if you want to get a hold of Charlie by the next. Uh, uh, no, give her a call. <laughs> 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. The Garden Show, where we have a little mantra, call early, call often, one question per call. And you can always call back, you know, and get it on for the second time. That's happened before, hasn't it? Yes, and you know what? I find people email and send about 20 questions (laughs) in their emails (laughs) just to get around that. Little rascals. (laughs) Okay. Oh, yeah, and and if you're a first-time caller, let Sebastian know, because then when you're welcome to the air... That will precede your voice. Wings. Okay. Yeah. Garden wings. wings. Well, anyway, yeah. You got stuff going on there? I do. Okay. Did you want me to share it with you? Well, that'd be a nice idea. Okay. Yeah. Uh, evergreen <laughs> Brickworks. Have you ever been there? Yes. Oh, there you go. Oh, a long time ago. Holy cow. It's pottery better. Pottery Road there. Yeah, yeah, it's better all the time. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. the Bayview Extension Pottery Road. Uh, it's, yeah, been a long process of taking the old abandoned brickworks, mm-hmm. you know, industrial air, um sort of installation there mm-hmm. that was very much mothballed for a long, long time. And slowly it's been turning into a real community gathering place with all kinds of cool things. Well, of course, at this time of year, they launch what's called the Winter Village. And the Winter Village is opening today. There is something happening every day in the village up until Christmas. Grab your friends and family. Get ready to experience winter in a whole new way. There's You can eat, you can shop, and you can play today right through to December the 23rd. Weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. and weekends 11, to, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Free admission, of course. Mm-hmm. And something that's just, you know, to keep in mind, there is a free shuttle bus from Broadview Subway Station to, you know, back and forth to the Brickworks. <clears throat> I think it runs on the half hour. So, because there's not a lot of parking there, and on weekends it's super busy. Right. 
And so they've always encouraged people to ride bikes and, you know, get there mm-hmm. by whatever means. And that's where this shuttle, you know, is great because it helps people get there because it's certainly not a place you could easily walk to. It's down, no. down in the valley there. Uh, so for more information, go to evergreen.ca. Um, they have a winter biking thing going on. So they've got bicycles with big fat tires. Oh, that you can rent there? Yeah, you can rent yeah. and you can go tootling about hey, down in the neat. valley. They've also got skating going on mm-hmm. down there. So you can bring your own skates or rent rent yeah, skates yeah. on site. Oh, that's great. Good mm. stuff. All right. Yeah, pretty fun. Um, I think I mentioned this, but keep in mind tomorrow, the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society is meeting from 1 to 4 p.m. You're very welcome to join in with Sean James of Fern Ridge Landscaping, who will be presenting Growing Gracefully, Maturing a Landscape. That's kind of like you and me. We, we grow old gracefully. Yes. Exactly. We're maturing. <laughs> oh, am I ever. <laughs> in our own you little got. landscape here. Uh, it's at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, 777 Lawrence Avenue East at Leslie in the Floral Hall. Speaking of Toronto Botanical Gardens, they've just released their brand new uh, um, program guide. It's, oh. a, it's the What's Going On for Winter and Spring 2007. So January, February, and March. Um, I see right off the bat from the front, they, they include pres- herb, uh, herbal cold and flu remedies. Exactly. So there's yeah. presentations, there's courses going on. These are all offered to both the members members of the TBG and the public. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, members get a price break. So then my next thought was, why not consider giving the gardener in your life the gift of membership at the TBG? Hey, it's only idea. $45 a year. And you get so many benefits. Well, it's a great gift because obviously you're supporting the the, the botanical gardens, but you get so, like all these programming. There's free events. You get money off, at, like a percentage off at the gift shop. I mean, it's just yeah. and you know it's it's a really endless benefit, super super worthy cause. So that just was something that flipped to my brain as well. If you got that gardener you're looking to buy for TorontoBotanicalGarden.ca. Nice plug. I love it. Hmm. It's coming up to nine fourteen, so we got to push along because we do have callers on the line and several of them our first-time callers. Nice. So I'm going to get my bell ring oh, arm in get shape. get your arm <laughs> loosened we'll, up. We'll return here on The Garden Show as we check in with Charlie Dobbin on a Saturday. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's just go around the corner first time up. Alrighty. Huh? In Toronto, there's Dorothy on the line. Good morning, Dorothy. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Um, I got a, a very large chrysanthemum plant for Christmas. A chrysanthemum or a poinsettia? Poinsettia. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And the thing is, other years, the leaves have fallen off. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how I can keep it this year. Where have you got it in your house? Where is it sitting? Right, right? by the fire, uh, for, uh, right by the um, fireplace. Mm, and do you keep the fireplace going? Oh no! Okay, there's no uh, fire around it. it. Uh, okay, no. The reason I, I ask is because one thing that poinsettias don't like is they don't like drafts. They don't want hot spots and they don't want cold spots. They want just you know steady room temperature. Um, it's nice if they can be in a bright spot, so they don't need to be right in a window, but certainly in a bright room is nice. Yeah, that's where it is. Okay, and then the next thing is every single day, once a day, you know, make it part of your routine. You know, after you've had your first cup of coffee or whatever in the morning. 
go and feel the surface of the soil. If it's feeling quite springy and moist, there's no need to to water. But at some point, the surface is going to dry out, and you're going to feel it's quite a bit drier on the surface. It'll still have a bit of spring, but it'll just be that dry sensation. When you feel that, it's time to water. And water with room temperature water. And, you know, give it, if it's a good big plant, you know, six inch or eight inch pot, you're going to need to give it a good cup cup and a half, maybe two cups of water, just to give it a thorough watering, and then you're good to go every day. Just keep feeling, and you might water once a week. You might water every four or five days. It just kind of depends what the temperature is and how big the pot is, et cetera. Well, you know the the foil that they put around the plant? Mm -hmm. uh, Does that cover uh, the hole and the bottom? It does. And so that you do bring up a good point. And that is, though it's pretty, the poinsettias and any of the gift planters are pretty when they're all wrapped up like that, it's yeah. actually harder to take care of them with all the wrapping. So you, you certainly could take all that foil and, and frou-frou off the plant and just have it sit on a saucer or, you know, so you need a, some kind of a, a tray below. Um, sometimes we'll just put it in, in a decorative mm-hmm. ceramic pot cover, something that we can see when the water drains out the drainage holes, because that's what you want. You want to water thoroughly so it drains out the bottom, but then you don't want the plant to sit in a lot of water. So, you know, be careful that it, you know, the water gets absorbed up into the pot. So, the, so if I keep the foil around the plant, it won't go through? Yeah. Say that again. If, if you keep the foil, did you say? Yes. Well, it will go through, but it will sit in the foil, and you won't know. Like you, you can't see that you've watered thoroughly yeah. enough because it's or could you caught just up. Make a hole in the foil itself. True, you true. Know? You can go from below with yeah. some scissors and cut some holes into the foil, yeah. and then again have that saucer below that. So, yeah, that's a good point. Okay. All right, Dorothy. All right, Dorothy. Thank you very good much. Good luck with uh, that. Yeah, absolutely. And on to our next caller. My golly, get my arm in shape here. Just a minute. Hey, Pauline in Scarborough. Welcome that's for you. Welcome to the show. Welcome, first time caller. Thank you very much. You've got wings. <laughs> I have wings. Oh, yes. Garden wings. Yes. First time caller, garden wings. Welcome. Okay. Um, I have a strange situation with amaryllis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had two bulbs, mm-hmm. and one has already come up and flowered and is on the wane, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other one is just looking very sad. Mm. Are, they bo- are they new bulbs this year? No, okay. no. Um, one is two years old, and the other was last year. Okay. The sad one, if you feel the bulb, because it's in the pod, obviously, and some of the bulb is sticking up out of the soil. So if you right. feel the, the bulb, does it feel like hefty, it's got bulk there, or does it feel like just a lot of paper uh, you know, on the outside and not a lot of bulb inside? It feels, <laughs> it feels healthy. Okay. It, it, there's, it, when you squeeze it, mm-hmm. it doesn't squeeze. It's okay. and very if, solid. Okay, good. Yeah. That's good. Um, all right. So you've tried to wake them both up. You've brought them into the sun. You've given them some water. And one has responded and the other one is just still sitting there dormant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't panic yet. Uh, it is still... You know, it, it's not Christmas yet, so maybe that amaryllis is waiting to actually bloom for Christmas. Because you know, once oh, yeah. they st- get going, they go fast. Oh man! Yeah. I know Frank's going to tell us about his amaryllis oh, in a minute. Unbelievable! But um, yeah. <clears throat> so what I would do is keep it where you've got. It. You know, it should be a warm spot, sunny or bright spot. Um, be very, very careful to not overwater at this point. Mm. What I do is I water <clears throat> the amaryllis once when it's dormant, and I 
try not to water it again until it starts to grow. So it will respond eventually. It's just it's just taking its time. <laughs> it's on a work well, to rule program. Bloomed, you can't believe it was three feet high. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, eh? Just one stem. Yeah. Ah, and now the leaves are coming out, obviously. Well, no, it's done. It it came out about started to come out about a month ago and mm-hmm. I thought that's strange mm-hmm. and it just kept growing and growing like Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah. <laughs> well that's the flower stalk but after the flowers typically we'll get leaves come up. Have you, you're allowing that to happen of course. Um, after the stalk. After well, the, the flower. The stalk is still standing yep. but I'm waiting for it to fall over okay. and dry up. Right. Well, what, So you can remove the dead flowers, leave the green stem, because that is okay. photosynthesizing as we speak, and eventually it will shrivel up, and then you're right, you'll just cut that away. Um, but <clears throat> meanwhile, do water it on because leaves okay. need to come up, leaves need to grow, you've got to let those leaves oh. grow and fatten the bulb up for next year. Like that's the process with the bulbs. They use a lot of energy to make those flowers, but that energy right. has to come from somewhere, and it comes from the leaves absorbing sunlight, turning turning sun energy Mm -hmm. into carbohydrate, which will grow the bulb up fatter and juicier for next year's flower. There you go. So you keep it growing as a houseplant right through until August. And if you want to put it out in the summer, that's fine, but it's got to grow with leaves for months and months. Thanks, okay. Pauline. And uh, again, uh, welcome to the show. Of course, exactly. Don't nice. be a stranger. Did you want to just yeah. fill us in a bit on your oh, amaryllis? Oh, yes. Uh, the amaryllis that was given me by, well, through you from... Uh, from flowerbulbsareus.com. Yeah. The darn thing Carolyn. is growing like a, a weed. But <laughs> honest to Pete, it's about 14, 15, 16 inches high. And you can almost watch it grow overnight. I know. That's what I love about amaryllis. They grow when Once they get growing, yeah. it, it happens right before your eyes. Well, I, I'm so tickled that, you know, me, the person with the, the I was going to say, you <laughs> think you can kill artificial yeah. plants. Wow. But, but that, everybody feels like a gardener. Like, you because oh, you can't you. go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, my daughter, I gave her one for Christmas, for her birthday. Yep. And, you know, she's sending me, like, hourly photographs. Look at it now. Look at it now. Look at it now. <laughs> yeah, it's, I know. It's crazy. And you're doing the same thing. I'm going, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, Everybody's yeah. sending me Amarillo's I sent a picture photos. to Charlie. <laughs> I can't believe it. Look at this thing. So excited. Anyway, hey, it's 9.20, almost 9.25, and mm. uh, there's some folks out there. Well, Bob and Kitchener, first-time caller, waiting mm. on the line. So we, we uh, will get to you, Bob. I uh, uh, kid you not. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, just before we go to our next caller, i got to uh, uh, get those numbers on the air because we, we have a couple of free lines right mm-hmm. now. 416-360-0740 in Toronto, and then anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. So if you've been trying in past weeks, trying to get through in the line, now's a good time to call. Well, hey, that's for Bob in Kitchener. Hi, Bob. Good morning, Bob. Christmas to you both. Thank you. Thank Welcome you. to the show. Thank you so very much. The uh, question that I have regards little pesky, I think they're called voles, V-O-L-S perhaps? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. V-O-L-E-S, yep. Yeah. Okay, thank you, thank you. And they're just, they destroyed my, well, they didn't destroy my total lawn, but they did a damn good <laughs> amount of damage to my front lawn last spring. Uh-huh. And uh, I've noticed uh, some tracking going underneath my deck in the back, so they, I think they found a resort there. Mm. And, um, boy, I'm just trying to figure out if, if there's any kind of a, 
action that I could take that maybe prevents damage in the, in the spring. So <clears throat> moles and voles look very similar, yes. and they're yeah. small. They're like the size of a mouse, basically, but they have pointy little heads and noses as opposed to a mouse, which is much more blunt-faced. Correct. The Correct. difference, though, is moles eat uh, insects, and voles are vegetarians. So they mm-hmm. will do massive damage to lawns Root and gardens, systems, yeah. uh, typically by chewing the roots from yep. below. So they'll, they'll make tunnels, and then they'll eat all these roots off, and then the poor little plant dies because it has no roots. So, yeah, they can be challenging. I guess if you're worried that they've moved in under your deck, mind you, I guess, yeah. You're, you're, deck. Amazing, though. There's no damage to my backyard at this mm-hmm. point. They just seem to be feeding, I guess, at the front. They left the, and, and my neighbor's lawn as well. They've done, they did a fair amount of tracking in the, mm-hmm. in the spring, and I'm just trying to think, well, I've got to get away from this this, uh, this, this spring. <laughs> Right. So Frank's looking at me well, like he's had some experience. Well, oh. out, out at uh, Shirley's place out in the uh, Newmarket area, it's a farm, and uh, the front lawn, basically, or the the lawn, just inundated with uh, mm. moles or voles. I'm mm-hmm. not sure which. Mm-hmm. But uh, we tried to find out about this last year. Remember, mm-hmm. uh, there is there is a product where you insert it into the, the holes that you see, uh, and it, it emits a sound, a sonic, sound that they do not like. Supersonic yeah. sound. Oh. Super, yeah, and I, I wish I could remember the name of the darn product, but if you go online I will. Uh, and, and just look for that, and that's the basic premise, is you put something in there that, that sends out this signal, this sonic signal, that they hate, and they, they get the hell away. Okay. So, wonderful news. Okay, so and he, it, now I remembered. Somebody did recommend that yes. to us. So there is something out there, and it might be more mole-based than yeah. vole-based. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but if anybody knows, you know, call in, let yeah. us know. Well, so. here's the other thing is, um, just a quick search here on the web. There is a website called getridofthings.com, and when you look up under voles, it shows you what they look like, shows you what the damage looks like, and best, best methods for vole control uh, are things like habitat modifications, so trying to make your yard inhospitable so they won't move in, like clearing away brush and th- places where they might make uh, nests, building fences, of course, to try and keep them out of the property, make sure that you're fencing your trees because voles will chew the bark around the base of the trees, particularly just beneath the snow when there is snow, which will off- will kill the trees because they'll girdle the trees. There are vole traps for trapping purposes. Um, there's obviously vole poison, though I'd be very careful of that because you don't want to poison, uh, you know, animals that you are you don't want to poison. Um, getting rid of voles naturally includes using things like castor oil. Simply spray it where you want, don't where, where you want it, and the unpleasant taste and smell makes the voles run away. Uh, of course, there's the hot pepper idea. <clears throat> Sometimes people are, don't like the idea of the hot peppers because they worry that the animal will, will get on their feet and then get it in their eyes and it's all horrible. But it's certainly smelling or tasting hot pepper, cayenne peppers, something that, you know... They don't want to have any part they'll, of it. They'll yep. stay right away from owls. Keep, you know, encouraging owls to be on the property because owls eat voles. And my other bottom line is a product that I have recommended in the past for repelling many pests from the garden is a product called Plant Skid. So it's one word, plant, S-K-Y-D-D, so double D. And this was invented or created in, I believe, Finland, and it's all, it was all about elk. They were trying to protect vegetation from elk and put together, it's completely organic, uh, and it is 
obviously available on the web, and it is available through some garden centers. But it repels not only elk, but deer, rabbits, voles, chipmunks, squirrels, opossums, moose. Uh, the list goes on. Uh, so yeah, it's safe and effective to be used all over the place. So that's another you one think to Any of those out. suggestions might work for you, Bob? Give one of them a try and maybe a few of them. Yeah, okay. well, that's great. Good luck. Let hey, us know how that very, works very out. Thank you again. Merry Christmas to you both. Thank oh, you Oh, thank very you very much. kindly. Nicely done. Thank and uh, if anybody does know that, that product that we're trying to <laughs> come up with a proper name for, where it's a sonic Oh. Sort of signal that sends out to well, yeah, tell the bulls to take off. I can probably Google that for yeah, you. Well, I'm sure we could find it somewhere along the way. Uh, uh, and callers have indeed come in uh, quickly. I'll note, um, let's see, we've got a line free. Okay, 416-360-0740 in Toronto <coughs> and anywhere in the province, toll free, one 740 And I believe it's Mary in Bolton who's mm-hmm. next on the line. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Merry Christmas to both Thank of you. Thank you very much. You too. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm not sure if I heard. I, I only listened to uh, 740, the, um, the Zoomer radio, so I, I thought it was you the other day that you were talking about watering your garden with urine. <laughs> with urine, yeah. That was that pee on your petunias, tinkle yeah. on the tomatoes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't, you said the second half would be the next day, but I didn't get a chance to catch it. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering, like, what is the procedure? I know it's funny. <laughs> All right. So the whole the the um, idea is that urine, of course, is ammonia, uh, very nitrogen based, and nitrogen is a completely uh, required nutrient by all plants. So the question is, why do we flush, you know, flush away all this urine and then go out and buy fertilizer, which is you know, urea-based. So, <laughs> Go out and tinkle on your tomatoes. Yes. Exactly. Well, yeah, I guess that was just being silly. But, yes, there are, there are people and that definitely keep their urine on the property. Now, you don't pee directly on the plants because it's l- too intense. You can certainly do damage to plants. Uh, it's more of the idea is uh, peeing um, potentially in the soil that will be planted in the future or in the soil around plants. Of course, you don't do this if you're living in the urban or suburban world because the neighbors might call the police on you. <laughs> um, the, uh, oh, then I talked about store, like storing urine, like c- gathering it in a container, peeing into a pot you know, once a day, emptying it out, putting it into the composter. There's various ways that uh, urine can be used. And really, think about it. You know what they do on the space station? Oh, yeah. They drink their urine. Yeah, how about that? I mean, they don't drink it well, no, straight it, it, yeah. as urine, but my point is there's water and there's ammonia in there, so it, it's, it, it kind of makes you cringe when you think about it, but, but, you know, why are we throwing all this stuff away? It's like, you know, it's there to be used. So, so that, was, that was what that was all about, just in okay, case Mary. you were wondering. <laughs> oh, you, like, so you can save it in a container yep. and, wa- like, any time, like summer, spring, fall, just put it in the soil? That's right, except the, I would empty that container every 24 hours so because you don't because urine can really start to smell well, bad. If it's, exactly. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, you could certainly save it. Every 24 hours you can pour it out into the garden. Even in the wintertime you could pour it into the composter uh, or onto, you know, where the vegetables are going to be. Just be careful about putting it directly on, you know, plants in the middle of winter because it's warm and the plants are asleep and you don't want to do sort of a partial waking up. No, but this would be more for my garden. Mm-hmm. That, that's okay for Absolutely. like a... Uh, uh, vegetable garden, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Oh, okay, yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's really great. I mean, I know <laughs> now I know to store it. You can, you know, and then just water your the soil, not 
directly on the planet. Exactly. Yep. Thank yep. you very much. Thank You're you. Very well, that's a, running off to pee right now. That's I, I okay. <laughs> Oh, Lord, you hear it all uh, in the garden. Yeah. Well, show, I started you? it. It's my well, fault. Well, you did. Yes. <laughs> I take hey, responsibility. <laughs> Mike in Smithville. Good morning and welcome to the show. Smithville. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Uh, just further to that, I live out in a farm, mm. and uh, farmers out here take the sludge from the city's municipal plants and they put it on their fields. I know. And so there, there's an example of that it is reused. Just uh, got to be careful that it doesn't have uh, high in mineral contents from industrial sites. That's all. Well, and also yeah. sewage sludge, depending on who created that sewage sludge. Like you have to remember, we excrete toxins from our body. Uh, also, if we're on medication, we're excreting excess medication into that sewage sludge. So. Um, as far as I know, the certified organic gardeners, to be certified, are not allowed to use sewage sludge because of the possibility of heavy metals and toxins in that sludge. But you're right, it is used uh, and has been for the last uh, 30, 40 mm-hmm. years on gardens, you know, from human yeah, right. waste. Right. Well, my yeah. question actually wasn't that. It was just a no. sideline because yeah, yeah. of the previous caller. Yeah. But as a little boy, I was born and raised in Hamilton, and the mm. thing I loved to do in October, late mm. September, was go pick up chestnuts underneath the chestnut mm-hmm. tree. Yeah. Bonkers, yeah. And that used to be a lot of fun. In fact, I even planted them and had a whole bunch of chestnut trees in the mm. backyard. Make pipes I've out noticed of in the last five to ten years that about July, the leaves start turning, mm-hmm. and by September, they are all brown, mm-hmm. like they're totally... Mm-hmm. Uh, attacked by a virus or a fungus or something. Mm-hmm. I've never seen them like that before. It's only happened, like I said, the last five or ten years. It seems to be throughout Ontario, wherever I drive, these beautiful, gorgeous chestnut mm-hmm. trees, and they're all brown, and it's August. Um, do you know what's causing it? Is yeah. there anything I could do? I hate to see them go the way of the ash trees or the elm trees, yeah. but it doesn't look good, and everywhere I go, the leaves are totally changing by the early summer, yep. and by late summer, the tree looks dead. Okay, so, but I think uh, this has been happening your entire life. You just didn't notice it. Oh, really? Because they, it's a syndrome that happens to chestnut trees. It's called scorch. And uh, it has been happening ever since chestnuts were being planted. But you're right. Some years are worse than others. Uh, the leaves start to get all on the edges. They get all brown and crispy. And then that brown crispiness creeps into the center of the leaf, you know, turning yellow, turning brown, and they defoliate early. Uh, Now, some summers, like this one would be a good example, with the extreme drought, would have been stressful on all the trees. Uh, So we would have seen, you know, the scorch perhaps even worse this year or earlier defoliation in the chestnuts this year. just that I remember uh, as a young boy that I would look up and I would see the chestnut Mm -hmm. cracking and falling off the tree every time the wind hits it. And I remember those leaves being Mm -hmm. beautifully green. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never seen anything like it now. It's like... It's like they're being attacked. It seems like all our, our, our different varieties of trees now are being attacked by something and are in peril and we're losing so much. But it just seems that something that as a child I really enjoyed and had a lot of fond memories seems mm. to be next in line. Well, the other thing is, uh, is the air pollution. Um, <clears throat> some trees are better able to withstand the urban pollution, all that carbon monoxide that 
cars are putting out, et cetera, you know, the dusts and, and uh, things. So some trees are better than others. And chestnuts, as I recall, are considered not well suited for the urban environment. They do not cope well with, uh, with all the, uh, the pollution. Well, that's, that's strange because, like I said, I, I was born and raised in Hamilton. In Hamilton, exactly, yeah. I even worked at Stelco during the summer when I was going to university. And the trees were great. Stelco's closed down now. The environment mm-hmm. in Hamilton is, is the best Better. it's ever been, and it's by default because the yeah. people who are polluting it and causing Randall's Reef and everything else yeah. don't exist anymore. That's you true. would think they'd be better. That's true. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, speaking of which, you know, here in Toronto, mm-hmm. our air has gotten way better in the summer from what it used to be because of the shutting down of the coal-fired mm-hmm. uh, generation. So you're right. Okay, so I'll leave this with me. I, I, I haven't looked it up in a long time, but I certainly learned about Scorch way back at university because it was very consistently would happen uh, to, there it is right there, horse, chestnut, leaf, Scorch. So Cornell University has a big agriculture college. Um, it says occasionally and without satisfactory explanation, the margins of horse chestnut leaves turn brown and curl up during midsummer. For a long time, we blamed the symptoms on de-icing salt and even featured them prominently on a de-icing salt injury extension bulletin out of mm-hmm. Cornell. Compacted soils and unfavorable weather conditions, either very hot and dry or very wet, seem to increase the severity of leaf scorch. But despite our best efforts, we just saw too many inconsistencies in scorch incidents. So we saw... Anyway, uh, I'll see if I can report back any, any updates. It looks like it's the jury's out a bit on what's going on with the scorch question and what can be done to try and avoid it. Yeah, it just seems like you said if it's cyclic, I was hoping that they'd start to turn around, but I have not seen, I've only seen it getting worse. I haven't seen the cycle turn the other way yet. All right. Hey, thanks for bringing it up, Mike. I'll do some homework. Really really an (laughs) interesting subject. Great, great question. Yeah. Uh, Coming up to 943, so we do have to take a little bit of a break here and come right back, and we'll say hi to Pat and Grafton when we return here. The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, as promised, let's go to the line and say hi to Pat in Grafton. Welcome to the show, Pat. Good morning. Morning. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Well, thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I don't really have a problem. I just wanted to comment on a strange phenomena in my garden. Oh, it's that. Okay. I have Dusty Miller Mm -hmm. that have come back two seasons in a row. Mm -hmm. And right now, as I look out the window at them. Still standing up. They're as fresh and nice That's as great. they were in July. No That's kidding. Cool. I've definitely had Dusty Miller survive the root survive the winter, and it comes up. It's like it, we could consider it a tender perennial in that sense. That in the right place with snow to help protect it yeah. for the winter, the root can survive, and it can certainly come back uh, the, the following year. So that's great. Uh, you've obviously got a very hardy example, and you might want to just hold on to that and maybe take some cuttings, and before you know it, you can name it your very own. <laughs> Well, I have about six of them. I have three at the back and three at the front. Mm-hmm. So the ones at the front really get whipped by the north wind, mm-hmm. but they, still they survive. don't seem to care. Yeah. <laughs> so it's genetics, right? Typically, Dusty Miller will die, but you've obviously got a super hardy one there. Gee, Pat, is there any chance you might uh, take uh, a picture of that and send it to us? 
Sure, I can do oh, that. I yeah, that's do. great. Okay, let me give you Charlie's uh, email address, and you can take a shot with your iPhone or whatever there. Uh, it's C. Dot Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. Okay? Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, we look forward to seeing that. You never hey. know, Dusty Miller yeah. Patteri. How about that? <laughs> Son of a gun. Hey, Mary and Kitchener, welcome to the show. Good morning. Well, hello, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Um, I have a problem with my bamboo plant. Mm-hmm. I got it for Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. It's in a glass jar, mm-hmm. uh, vase, mm-hmm. that's about 12 inches tall, filled with sand. Mm-hmm. And I water it about a little bit every two weeks, but I notice the water sits on the top, and it doesn't penetrate into the sand. Oh, that's odd. So possibly, I think, it's still full of water. But right now I have, the there's five stalks in it, mm-hmm. and the short one has turned yellow-orange on me. Mm-hmm. So if it's completely yellow-orange, one of them, um, what I would do is I would pull it out. And in the process of pulling it out, uh, you're going to see what's going on with that sand. Because they are designed, those are actually um, cuttings of dracaena, but they're referred to as bamboo. And they are, those roots that they've grown are designed to grow in water. So you basically treat them like a cut flower almost. It's a, a vase full of water. Yes. Sometimes there will be like pebbles in the bottom or, you know, marbles, in your case, some sand. Uh, is it like a colored sand thing or is it just yes, like a... it's brown and uh, a pale yellow. And it's probably all beautifully in layers. Yes, it is. So yes. if you pull something out, it's going to mess up your design. Yeah. And I can't see if, it's, if there's water in there or not. I can't tell. So, so but maybe this, I'm overwatering it. Is that possible? Uh, I doubt it. What I would do is, uh, so you when you water, I mean, what you always want to have the water level above the sand. So you just constantly want to have water in there. So oh, okay. you really can't overwater. If anything, maybe that's why it's suffering a bit. Is it's not enough water because it's not like a regular pot with potting soil and drainage, etc. It's an actual glass vase where water should be in it at all times, and the sand should be covered in water. So you should see the water level above the sand. It also doesn't need to be in direct sunlight, but the plants are best in a bright spot wherever they are in whatever room they're in. So if it's a north window, they should be fairly close to the window. If it's a south-facing room, then they can be you know 10 15 feet away from the window but they do need a bright spot all right in the window away from it yeah just bright just you know lots of bright indirect light is what they they do best at yeah all right let us know how that works very good thank you very much mary uh are you getting a a bit of an echo here Huh? No? No. I am. I am. <laughs> I am. Well, I am. There, yeah, Frankie, I am. I, am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened there. In, in any case... You uh, are your own echo, baby. <laughs> we're, going, we're going to be, in, in just moments, talking to Bridget in Port Dover. And That's Bridget in Port Dover. Yeah, and Bridget Ronnie. Port Dover. And, yeah. <laughs> Would you stop? Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, saying good morning to Bridget in Port Dover. Hi. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking my call. Um, And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. Thank you. I have a bougainvillea Mm -hmm. that is approximately um, eight feet tall. Nice. Should I bring it in um, in the winter, obviously? Yes. It's not outside in the snow. Um, it would. It did very well for um, the first sort of 
couple of months or so. But um, it's currently looking rather sad. Mm. I think I I really need to know when to prune, prune it. it. I mean, yeah. would now be a good time? I've got some... But it may be to light. I've got it in a in a sunny window, but good. sort of to one side. So okay, so the more sun, the better. Yeah. So okay. this that's great. You've got a sunny window, but you know, if you, yeah, of course, you don't want drafts, hot air drafts, cold air drafts. So okay. you know, you've got a vent deflect if there's vents near the windows. Um, so that's important. Yes, you're going to need to prune because a plant that size coming in with all those leaves that grew outside in all that sun, right? Coming into your home, no matter how much sun is coming through the window, it's still less than what was outside. Yeah. So the UV levels have dropped. The leaves are responding to that. Okay. They are dropping with the intention of growing new ones, which will be far better prepared to absorb the sunlight that's coming through the window. Right. It's it's just totally natural. So at this point, pruning, I mean, you are going to need to prune and you should plan a fairly hard pruning, removing at least a third of the plant. Right. By late February, early March. Okay. However, to do that kind of hard pruning now would be quite hard on the plant. So for now, I would remove anything that is starting to look like the tips have died or there's the plant is just, you know, clearly struggling on on certain branches or stems. Do that kind of keeping it clean, picking up the leaves as they drop. Water thoroughly when you do water, but okay. <clears throat> let it get quite dry in between waterings. Right. So you might only water every two weeks or so, right. depending on temperatures, and no fertilizer for now. Okay. Come February, early March, absolutely crank out the fertilizer, do that hard pruning, and then the fertilizer will encourage new growth, and you'll be back in business with a you know fat, bushy plant okay. for and, the spring. And what? Um, what fertilizer do you recommend? I would go with an all-purpose flowering plant fertilizer, so it could be like a 15-30-15 type numbers, or you could go with a traditional, you know, Blooms Plus, Miracle Grow kind of um, configuration, which again will encourage new growth and, of course, ultimately some flowers. Okay, Bridget. Thanks, thank you. Bridget. Thank you for the call. Good luck and with uh, that. gee, we, I I'm love Port Dover. Uh, yeah, it's a great spot on Lake Erie. There, mm-hmm. you betcha. Um, I'm glad we got to Ronnie, first time caller. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Welcome good morning. To the show. <laughs> good morning. Hi. Happy holidays. Thank, well, thank you. you. You too. All the best. Um, I have a question for you. I have a money tree mm-hmm. that's about two and a half years old. Mm-hmm. It's been doing great, and lately. The leaves are turning yellow Mm -hmm. and then a light brown and then falling off. And it's the leaves, the older leaves that are doing that. Yeah, that's not the ones on the tips. No, and there is some new growth at the tip. Yeah. So you know what that is? That is, it, it's the, the plants, plants are pretty smart. They know, even though they're inside the house, it might never have even been outside your house, but they know that the days have been getting shorter and they respond. And plants can never keep all their leaves all the time. They, they have to drop some of the leaves in order to, you know, just it refreshes the plant. The leaves get old. Sometimes it, it can even just be dirt and build up, dust build up on the leaves, contributes to their demise. So the trick with the money tree is keep it um, similar to the bougainvillea we were just saying, watering thoroughly when it's time to water, but letting it really get quite dry between waterings. Um, keep 
picking up those leaves. Don't let them rot on the surface. Uh, right. You will consider doing some for some trimming in the spring just to help the plant, you know, be a good shape. Uh, turning right. it in the window every, you know, 180 degrees every week or so, keeping it as balanced. Uh-huh. In a perfect world, both your plant and our last caller's bougainvillea would very much love to sit on a pebble tray. So that's like a cookie sheet kind of tray, big tray, full of gravel, pot sits on top of the gravel and you always keep water in the gravel. So the plant is sitting up on gravel, but water is constantly evaporating around the plant, helping increase the humidity. So higher humidity helps hold on to leaves as well. These are tropical plants that do prefer uh, a more humid air than what we typically have in the winter. All righty. Thanks for the call. Thank you, Ronnie. Hey, and, guess and what it, I just saw go yes. by the window? What was that? I just saw a huge soccer ball on the back oh, of a... Yeah, I should have, yes. pu- I should have you know, punched you and to look out the window. It was a tractor trailer. This massive soccer ball just well, went by Toronto on FC, a Christmas man, tree. They are covered in for a great night tonight. BMO. Hope, yes, so go TFC because absolutely that's 8 o'clock tonight. You got it. And I have to do a quick shout out. Yes. We are meeting my special friend J- James Gray of James Gray Landscaping uh, for breakfast and I'm yes. hoping his wife Jane will be uh, attending breakfast as well. Good buddies and uh, she's a graphic designer. He's a landscape contractor uh-huh. who often works with me on projects. Uh, lives close by in Etobicoke so he's you know a Toronto, yeah. Toronto-based boy and uh, a lot of fun. You've never met him, so you're going to get to, oh, to meet good. him. Oh, that's good. I look forward the, to that. In an hour A or quick so. little shout out I can do okay. to uh, all the gals in Shirley's uh, exercise class. Oh, yay. They have a little annual get-together at, at the farm there, and they're on their way out there right right about now. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christ. oh yeah, yeah, well, you yeah. know Shirley. She's just a Christmas oh, my angel. Lord, you got she it. She decorates everything. <laughs> She's probably even right. got, like, decorated toilet paper in the bathroom. Uh, do you know something? I bet she does. <laughs> She's just right over the top with Christmas. I love it. So thank you, Sebastian. Couldn't do it without your smiling help. And thank you to all of our great callers from all over Ontario. I know. Yeah, way to go. And remember, we are here next Saturday and the following Saturday. So keep those questions coming and, you know, keep thinking gardening. Merry Christmas in advance. And happy Hanukkah. It's coming too. You got it. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.